I feel like he sent me here today to talk about the wisdom, his wisdom, the wisdom of God. Amen? The wisdom of God. God's wise, you know? God's wisdom is not our wisdom. His wisdom is not our wisdom. Amen? I want to read something to you, Revelation 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And John says, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Be careful what wisdom we are following. Until Jesus, nobody could open the true wisdom. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? That means much of what you read in the first half of the Bible if you don't have grace goggles on, if, you don't, if it's not revealed by the Holy Spirit, it's not the true wisdom of God. Now, I'm not saying it's not wise, but it may be a lower wisdom. Because until Jesus got here, we didn't know what wisdom, what real wisdom is. We didn't know what cloth we were cut out of. Can we say that? So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll. The word was not known until the lion of the tribe of Judah triumphed. Can you hear me? He was the only one that when he read the word of God... It was open to him. When he read it, it was open to him. Now, I want you to understand one other thing. He did something else that's very important that hadn't been done before. He loosed the Spirit of God. The seven seals, the sevenfold Spirit of God. He read the Word, understood the Word, and he was the one came that cut loose. Right? Amen? So let's talk about this a little bit. What does this mean? Well, in John 3, I'll give you an idea of kind of what it means. Because you're hearing a lot about wisdom today, and we should use wisdom. And we need to know what wisdom we're, we're supposed to follow, right? So I just want to make a few notes here for you. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Teacher, we know you're, a, you know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless one's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter the womb a second time? Jesus answered him, Assuredly, I say to you, unless one's born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say that you must be born again. Now, I want to skip forward, I think. And I want to say this. 
Jesus then kind of told him, are you a teacher and you don't know these things? Verse 10, you ready? Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know that there are two types of wisdom? We have teachers in the body of Christ that are teaching the lower wisdom. Sometimes. Amen? See, Nicodemus was a teacher of the people of God, but he didn't understand the higher wisdom. That's what Jesus said, not just what I'm saying. That's what Jesus said. You don't understand these things? What's he saying here, folks? There, hey, do you believe there had always been wisdom on the earth? You do, don't you? I do. I mean, I know there had. There always been wisdom on the earth. Amen? So what are we seeing here then? If there had always been a wisdom on the earth, and there had always been teachers of that wisdom, and all of a sudden someone comes and says, you don't understand these things? What's he saying? Enter a different level of wisdom, folks. What do you mean? You mean all the proverb? They're great. That was good for its time. Let me remind you what Jesus said. Because people don't understand what Jesus said. They don't understand what he said. He said, one greater than the law is here. One greater than the law and the prophets is here. When will the church figure that out? One greater than the law and the prophets is here. Jesus. That means the wisdom he taught is greater than the wisdom of the law and the prophets. Can you hear me? There's a different level of wisdom. Amen. What was he trying to get him to understand? Jesus was talking about what? He was talking about how spiritual things operate on the earth. Invisible things operate on the earth. The the normal earthly wisdom had no clue about these things. Nicodemus had no clue about these things. His level of wisdom, let me say this real quick so you understand it. The natural wisdom does not require faith. You can see it. It's borne out by statistics. It's borne out. Let me, do you know what the study of science is? What's the study of science? It's the study of the natural world and how it works. Am I right? You cannot learn God by science. Science looks for visible, provable evidence in the natural world. That's natural wisdom. Put that water on there and let it hit 212. It's going to ball. Unless something goes wrong, you know? Right? Am I right? Unless you're on the moon, I don't know what'll happen then, but I know what'll happen here. It's gonna boil. That's the natural wisdom. One greater is here. Let me give you an example real quick while we're talking. Natural wisdom says you get near a line, you're in trouble. The wisdom that is greater says you can be fine standing right by a lion. With the Spirit of God on your side. Is that true? Where's the church? 
They're all scared of the lion. What wisdom are they using? Not going to say anything. Just suggesting something. I didn't even mean for that to come out. I just realized what I, man, all right. I mean, all I meant was when I said, where's the church? I just meant in today's, like, you know, where are the faith people in today's world? Like, I didn't realize what just, yeah, all right. It is what it is. Okay. Um, I didn't say a thing except what I said. That's all I said, but I didn't know. All right, here we go. I'm going to Deuteronomy 18 right quick. I want you to hear this if you will, because there had always been wisdom, right? This is what Moses said. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him shall you hear. Now look, Moses had already given all the commandments, all of the law, not a piece of it, all of it. And all of a sudden, the man who prophesied all that and gave it as the commandments of God looks at everybody and says, uh, let me take you higher. There's one coming after me, and he's going to come right out of your midst. It's funny that they weren't looking for Jesus to come out of their midst. When it says clearly right there in Scripture, he's going to be like me, going to come from among you. You won't know who he is until he starts to rise up because it won't, you won't, you, it won't make sense to you, Right? He'll tell you what you should do. What does that mean? Everything previous was what? Useful up to that point. Because if you had already been told what you should do, why would God raise up one to come and tell you what you should do? There's a higher level coming. Amen? There's a higher level coming. Wow. Him you shall hear. Yeah. And at the end of verse 18 of Deuteronomy 18, it says this. My words will I put in his mouth, and he'll speak to you or to the people all that I command. Do you not? Do you understand they thought they already had all the commands of God? And all of a sudden, at the end of his ministry, Moses is saying, By the way, what I gave you was temporary. And there's one coming after that's going to polish everything off and tell you what it really means. <laughs> you think they were ready to hear that? They sure weren't ready to see him show up, were they? They weren't looking for what he was coming to say. But, you know, think about it. You just read it. Everything that happened had been prophesied. If they had been looking, they would have known. Isn't that true? I mean, can't we say that? If they had really been looking, they would have known. Somebody from among us is going to rise up and he's going to start telling what the law really means. He's going to say what we really ought to believe. And, and if you flip over on my Bible, it's the next page. It says, and if you don't do what he says, I'll require it of you. And they fought him tooth and nail. Not the real believers, though. Not the ones who are really looking. Not the ones who are open. They didn't fight him. They believed that's why a lot of times we say that Jesus is looking for those that are looking for him. You know? He's looking for people that are looking for him. Right? Yeah. Amen. So, 
let's talk a little bit then about Psalm 91 because these are these are interesting times that we're in. They're wonderful times because the things that are, you know, the things shaken that are able to be shaken, being shaken, and those that aren't able to be shaken, being firm, right? Psalm 91 says in verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I'll trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He'll deliver you. 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 Surely He'll deliver you. Surely He'll deliver you. Sometimes I think we need to read these things about a hundred times before they get in. Surely, surely he'll deliver you. Surely he will. But it's interesting in verse 5. You won't be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the, of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. That works two ways. It works two ways. It's telling you not to be afraid, but at the same time, if you abide in the secret place, you won't be afraid. So that tells you a lot about the people who proclaim Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to stop right there. But that tells you a lot, and it should tell them a lot. <laughs> Does that make sense? You shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness and other things too. Verse 10 says, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. But, but, but Christians get sick all the time. They get plagues all the time. I just want to say something. I don't speak to people because I have issues myself. But you can read, right? Let God be true. What if some have not believed? But what if some have not believed? It could be me. But 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 it, we still have to be honest about it. God has given us the word. It's very clear. It's very clear. Do not blame me. Let it rest where it rests. Even if it's me, personally. You, you understand there are only two parties to this, right? Me and he. He's not a liar. If I do not receive, who didn't believe? It's not him, is it? And yet, today, I'm just going to be honest. If it incriminates some people, I'm sorry. There are Christians saying they believe and not receiving. And their thing is, when they do that, whether they realize it or not, they blame the other party. There are only two, them and he. If they're sitting here saying, it's not me, I believed. He must have changed. They're calling him a liar. Now, I don't want him to be the bearer of that news. Nobody does. But there are only two parties here, and there's no gray area with God. So let's take heart then. If we, you know, because because this is the thing, people get all confused and say, "Well, I know I believe, I don't understand what's going on." Well, let's just remove the confusion. What's going on is you don't believe like you think you do. Yeah. 
Well, you know, if we could just find that in Scripture. Well, when we used it. We talked about it last week. It was one big obvious example is like Rudolph's nose on the end of your face, you know, bright and shining, is that Jesus' own disciples couldn't believe to cast that lepre, uh, epilepsy out of that kid, and they asked him. They said, for goodness sakes, you know we believe. We've been with you. We've been casting out all these diseases and whatnot. Why could we not cast it out? Because of the littleness of your faith. That was his word, not mine. But why couldn't we do it? Because of the littleness of your faith. There has to be more to it than that. You know we believe. No, no. Littleness of your faith. But we're Christians. Yeah, littleness of your faith. But we've been to church with you, Jesus. We've heard what you said. We listened to the preaching. Littleness of your faith. You want to get a church people hackles up? Tell them they don't believe. Don't, but, but what they don't realize is nobody has to say anything. You can look at my life and tell what I believe. That's not an incrimination. That just removes the gray area so we know where we are, doesn't it? Because religion likes gray area. Well, maybe it didn't happen because of this, or maybe it didn't happen because of that. And Jesus dispelled all that. No, just a littleness of your faith. Yeah, it's just the littleness of your faith. Now, I, 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 I do want to talk to you for a minute, though, because I fear that people that read this don't understand it, right? Because it's, and, and, and I say that because of this. There's this key in the beginning of it, right? It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And I don't want them to have an Old Testament understanding of that because greater has come. But see, I, I think a lot of times that's what we're thinking. We're using the old wisdom, instead of the new, instead of the revelatory wisdom, right? So, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, right? Abide. You see that word, right? Okay. All right. So, I'm just going to turn over real quick to Colossians 3.3. 3. I say quickly. Colossians. Yeah, I'm sorry if it wasn't clear. 3.3. 3. And it says this. Come on now. I'll, I'll start with one to give it context. If then you were raised with Christ, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are, what wisdom should you seek? The wisdom that, was, that comes from above didn't arrive until Christ. Can you hear me? Seek those things which are above, that is heavenly slash spiritual, not earthly slash worldly. Not water boils at 212. That's from earthly. You understand that, right? Can you, can you hear me on that? Water boiling at 212 is earthly only. That don't matter in heaven at all. The fact that you can't walk on water doesn't matter in heaven at all. Just ask Jesus. Ask Peter too. Doesn't matter a bit. There's a higher wisdom. There's a higher understanding. Can you hear me? All right, let's look at it then. Seek those things that are above where Christ is. Are you in Christ? Then where is you? Are you is where Christ is? 
Are you is where Christ is? Then where is you? Your spirit is seated in heaven in Christ. That's why heavenly applies to you now, not later. Now, not later. Now, can I say it again? Not later. Now, by faith only, because you can't see it, you have to believe it. Why could you not cast that epileptic demon out of that boy? Because of the littleness of your faith. You may be seated in heaven, but unless you can believe the things that are in heaven, Nicodemus, you can't have them. That's why Paul could legally, honestly, without lying, say, for what if some have not believed? Does that make the promises of God to no effect? No. God just looking for one that can believe. He's just looking for one that can believe for what's not seen. He's looking for one that will hear the higher wisdom and believe it instead of looking at the lower wisdom and saying, I live here. Because where are we seated? Is you is where he is? I'm just asking. The word was is. I read it to you. I'm not being funny. Are you where he is? Yeah. Now, what gets even more interesting, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are of the earth. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the earth. What, what, do, what temperature does water boil at? That's on the earth. Set your mind on the things that are above. Where are your mind set? Let me get me some hand sanitizer. That is a thing that is on the earth. And then he explains why. Set your mind on the things that are above. For you died. Your natural self died. It's not that it will die. It's that you crucified it when you proclaimed Christ. Lee's dead. Christ lives here. God sees Christ. He don't see Lee. If God looks at me and sees Lee, I'm going to hell. Does that make sense? That's why we have this teaching that says, really, there have only been two people in the mind of God that have lived, right? Adam, all of them fall and are unsuccessful and go to hell. And those in Christ... The redeemed who sit now with God and are his children. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. Now, don't fear. He's going to give you a new name. The one you had before that you sinned in was dead. But it tells you in Revelation that he gives you a white stone and on it is a new name, which only he knows and you know. That's who you are in God. Amen. This is weird stuff. It's all biblical. Just unfortunately, we waste our time on the light stuff, and we don't teach people who they are. Right? Amen? You died, and your life is what? Hidden in Christ with God. Where do you think the secret place of the Most High is? Hidden in Christ. That's right. But that's not all. And that's what I fear is that people think because they're in Christ that they, can, they automatically are partakers. And that's not really what Scripture teaches. Okay? But it is a start. The secret place of the Most High is in Christ. It's in Christ. Because you become hidden. Isn't that beautiful? 
Why why you want to be hidden? Just real quick, why you want to be hidden? You don't want to be found. That's right. Because if 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 I'm found, then I'm outside of Christ. I want to be hidden where when God looks, all he sees is Christ. And that's why it's interesting to me to church teach. You need to sanctify yourself. You can't do it. Can't do it. You're sanctified in Christ. If you start teaching that people need to do works to be in Christ, you lost the whole thing. You've fallen from grace. Because grace says when he looks, all he sees is Christ. If you think you got to work in Christ, you're missing the whole point, folks, because you want to be found. You want to be found for your deeds. Your deeds aren't good enough. If you're found, you're going down. You don't want to be found. You want to be hidden. You want to be hidden, kept. You want to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? You want to be invisible as yourself and visible as Christ. Amen. Now, just 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 to say this. What did we read? What did Moses' prophecy say? It said when he comes, he'll what? Tell us he'll tell us what we need to know, right? Jesus would. Messiah, he'll tell us all things, right? So in the Old Testament, it's before the revelatory man got here. We're told, you stay with me, stay with me a second. In the Old Testament, we are told, in the secret place of the Most High, you'll abide in the shadow of his wings. Abide, right? But that's not the whole story. Jesus told us more that we need to know on that same subject. He told us more on that same subject. And if we only have the one, we don't have the higher knowledge. So think about abiding, John 15, 7. Think about abiding, John 15, 7. This is what he said. This is the full counsel of God on abiding. It's not enough to abide in Christ if you want to be successful. This is what he said. And this, I promise you, this is the full counsel of God because it was prophesied he would bring it to us. Amen? Moses said, when he comes, he'll tell you what you should do, right? In other words, he's going to polish it out, finish it out so it's complete, right? This is what he said. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Oh, I'm reading 16.7. Sorry, let me go over here. I knew that didn't sound right. Okay. This is what he said. If you abide in me, how many of you abide? You're in Christ. That ain't enough. Here's the full counsel of God. You ready? If you abide in me, and here's, here's Jesus' part. My words abide in you. You'll ask whatever you desire to be done for you. See, in the Old Testament, everything was done sovereignly right if you're in you're in the new testament i like that jesus polished it out he finished it out abiding in the secret place is not just that you're born again and in christ it's that christ is in you his word is in you it has to be active in you if you're in him and his active word is in you then you ask whatever you shall shall be done for you you only gonna get the protection under the shadow of his wings if his word is in you and you can believe it can you hear me if you can believe it because you're seated in heaven but only if heaven is seated in you that's how Jesus finished it out 
he taught us that you're only seated in heaven if down here heaven is seated in you. You understand what he said? Pray like this. Remember we said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come. Where? From heaven to earth. Just as it is. Yeah. So it will be on earth. Right. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And I guarantee you a great percentage of Christians are saying, oh, well, I dwell in the shadow of the Almighty because I'm born again. I'm in Christ. They don't realize. No, you got half the equation. To finish that out, you've got to take the words of Christ, the inspired scripture, and it's got to abide in you. It's not just that you abide in him. It's that he abides in you. To the level that he abides in you, you'll see success. Because if he's abiding, you're a believer. You're a believing in what's abiding in you. Amen? So, that's important for us, isn't it? Very important. Let's see now. If we were to have to deal with something like, I don't know, a plague, that'd be important, wouldn't it? You think Jesus ever dealt with a plague? Yeah. He dealt with a bad one in his day called leprosy, right? You know they had quarantine orders under leprosy? They had, thank you, thank you. They had social distancing and the whole thing. If you had leprosy and the priest declared you had leprosy, you had to leave. And when you came around people that were clean, you had to yell, unclean, unclean, and you had to stay away from them. And that gave them the chance to scatter away from you so you didn't infect them and contaminate them. Let me show you how the, up, the higher wisdom deals with a plague. guy with leprosy comes to Jesus Lord if you're willing you can make me clean you want to hear the will of God for a plague I'm willing let me touch you oh no what about quarantine Jesus might get sick let me touch you be made clean and immediately leprosy went So see, there's a lower wisdom that says be quarantined. And there's a higher wisdom that says, no, in Jesus, the flow was reversed. In the Old Testament, it was a natural working. And if you got touched by sickness, you liable to get sick. But in the heavenly, the spiritual understanding, if it abides in you, it's liable to get on them and make them whole. It flows the other direction. Everywhere Jesus went, what was messed up in the beginning got whole. Now, before you fall into the trap of saying, but he's God, you know, that, you know, he sent his disciples out to heal leprosy too. He said, go out and heal all their diseases. They healed leprosy too, folks. And you know what? He didn't say, and get you some sanitizer and wash your hands before you come back to the compound because I don't want none of our people getting sick. I'm not telling you what to do. you got to live according to your faith and what you understand. You do. You do. Your conscience and your faith has to carry you. Mine can't. What I'm trying to do is get you to see 
and some a lot of you do. I'm not I'm not putting you down. We're also on on the camera, you know. But I'm trying to get everybody to see the greater and not be blinded by the lower. That's what the Lord wants of his church. He wants his church to speak from the higher. Nobody else can. Can you hear me? Nobody else can. Only his church can understand and come from heaven because they're seated there. And heaven abides in them, see? So they can bring this, this thing that nobody else can bring. That's why the church can't be silent. That's why we have to be faithful. And it's also why we can't go out and just repeat the lower level of wisdom, folks. We can't be lower level wisdom repeaters. We're not helping Christ. That makes sense. Yeah, he dealt with the plague. Leviticus 13, actually, if you, if you go to Leviticus 13, first of all, leprosy is called a plague in Leviticus 13, just so people, just so y'all know, if you didn't know this. Second thing is, okay, the quarantine that was required is spoken to in Leviticus 13, 44, somewhere along in there, okay? So you'll see all of the quarantine. You'll see how it worked, right? And the natural wisdom of that day was stay away from it. Now, if you want to research this for yourself, go to the World Health Organization, WHO. You can look up leprosy. Just Google it if you want to. And they'll tell you that nobody really knows how it spreads, but it's probably contact or either little droplets in your breath or nasal passage that pass through close contact from one or another. So they were right in their quarantine. The only answer beyond the natural wisdom is that which is greater. Faith in that which is greater. Does that make sense? But I'm going to tell you right now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, after Jesus touched that leper, he didn't turn around and say, who's got my hand sanitizer? Because I'm going to go touch all these other people and I don't want them to get leprosy. Let me explain something. Leprosy was dead when it touched his hand. Because heaven resided in him. And when his disciples went out and they prayed for lepers, leprosy was dead when it touched their hands. It was just like we prayed this morning. If you remember our first prayer, you are dead in this place. You cannot produce fruit in this place. In Jesus' name. Right. Amen. And what are we doing? All we're doing is repeating our covenant. All we're doing is believing and testifying to the word that's been put on our lips. Amen. That's it. Oh, you can't do nothing by that. That's the lower wisdom. You're right. In the natural, you can't. You can't. And you can't get in the lion's den. And you can't stand the fiery furnace. You can't do any of those things with lower wisdom. And yet people did. Because there's a higher. Amen. Isn't there? Isn't it a joy to talk about God and what he's done? Because literally what he's used Jesus for was to bring heaven to earth so that we're carriers of the heavenly. He calls it light. You know, he calls it light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm bringing them out of the natural wisdom and showing them the truth who they really are, what cloth they're really cut from. 
I'm their light. When they see me, they're going to know who they were created to be. And then he got ready to be ascended up into heaven. He said, now you're the light. Now you carry that light. And when people see you, they see me in my light. Right? We'd fall short if all we talked about was the lower wisdom, wouldn't we? I believe we would. Matthew 8, you can read about Jesus touching that leper. He, it, it clearly says he touched him. Clearly says he touched him, you know. Um, we may bounce back and forth some this morning just depending on what it seems like we need to do. But here, here's, here's what I would like to get at too, if we could. We talked a little bit maybe about it Wednesday. I want to just say it again today. You've got people that are scared in the body of Christ. They have a little fear, not a lot, some of them maybe, but they have a little fear, and they say, well, I don't want to tempt God. I don't want to tempt God. You know, I, I don't want to do anything to tempt, so I want to use wisdom. I want to use prudence, right? Does that make sense? It does? Okay. All right, well, I don't want to go that far yet. We need to, we need to solidify something. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to go ahead, okay? All right. Please just listen to this. This is reading a lot of Scripture, and I know we don't do that in church anymore. We give very eloquently constructed sermons that are eloquently spoken and that have been rehearsed in front of a mirror or actually in this place before, and this is not what this is. But I do want to read the Word of God because it is the power of God. Okay? All right. This is Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize. That would shock a lot of people. How many people you baptized this year? You realize the Apostle Paul said Christ didn't send him to baptize? Wow. He knew what he was sent for, though. But to preach the gospel, and look at what he says. Not with the wisdom of words. Lower wisdom. Lest the cross of Christ be made no effect. What was the cross of Christ? That's the introduction of what? Higher. The cross of Christ introduced the heavenly, the spiritual on the earth. So what's he saying? If all we do is go around and teach the lower wisdom, we make the higher to no effect. Can you hear me? If all we do is go around and teach the lower wisdom, the higher can't take effect because nobody can believe for it. Can you hear me? This is what he says in verse 18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Look at what he says, verse 19. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding you see the rest of that word of the prudent we should be prudent in these times we should be wise in these times or we could just rely on the higher wisdom if we believed it Does that makes sense Does that makes sense I had a person I was talking with a buddy the other day a friend, and he was saying, well, you know, I got to put my seatbelt on. I do that because I, I use wisdom. 
right? He said, because if I didn't put my seatbelt on, I could get in trouble, right? He said, like, what if I put a seatbelt on and somebody else didn't and we had a wreck? I'd probably live and they'd probably die. You know what's interesting? That very thing happened, and one of them forgot to put their seatbelt on, and they were both what? Safe. Both of them were safe. You know why? Because the lower wisdom don't amount to a hill of beans if you're in the top. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? God is able to save his people, and he don't need the lower wisdom to do it. But if you don't have the higher, you better have the lower. It happened. It happened. One had it on, one had it off. Car flipped, I don't know, two or three times. Both of them were okay. Both of them walked out. One had the belt on, one had the belt off. That's just a coincidence. No, they had just left a church party. Both of them go to the same church. Both of them hear the same teaching. Both of them baptizing the same Holy Spirit. One of them didn't tempt God, he just forgot. And you know what? God upheld them both. Because he ain't no liar whether you got it on or don't. His covenant is still his covenant. <laughs> so tell me about tempting the Lord. I'm going to tell you about it a little bit, what I understand. Matthew. Well, no, 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 we're not through yet. Oh, I want to get there, though. Oh, I want to get there. But, oh. Okay. All right, look at verse 21 of this, 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to try to speed up. Or oh, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? You want to hear the wisdom of the world? I'm going to put you in the den with a line. I'm going to watch him tear you up. How did God make it foolish? That line couldn't eat to save his life. Yep. He could not eat to save his life. Wisdom of the world. I'm going to make a mockery of you and your God. I'm going to burn you up. Put you in the fiery furnace. I'm going to burn you. You're going to be ash. I'm going to grind your bones. A couple of, little while later, huh, you don't even smell like smoke. You don't even smell like smoke. You don't even smell like smoke. Has God made the wisdom of the world, the lower wisdom, foolish? Has he shamed them? Over and over. I got you now. I got you up against the ocean. I'm going to crush you people. You thought your God was telling you to leave me, but I'm going to find you, Israel. I'm going to have you right here, right where I want you. Because nobody can cross an ocean. confounding the wisdom of this world over and over and over. And look, it's right there for us to read, and we still don't believe it. He's done it over and over and over. Oh, you with me? Now, as far as tempting God, I still can't get there. Oh, I want to get there. Man, please. Okay. For since in the wisdom of God, 
the world, this is verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God, you with me? It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. There's another way to say it. God saved those who believed the message. God will save those who believe. Now, sozo doesn't just mean release from sin. That's the way it's been preached all these years, but mainly it means to be healed physically, to be saved, sozo. It, it mainly, truly, first meaning, primary meaning is to be healed physically. So God will heal those today who believe the message. He's always been a healer of those who believe the message. Now, if you want to just really be funny and see the humor of God, Isaiah 53, 1 says this, who has believed our report? Who's believed our message? Who has believed our message? That's the main healing passage from Scripture. You know? Who's believed our report? Isn't that interesting? God decided to heal those who believe the message. Who's believed our report? The ones who are healed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, oh, there's so much. We don't, we, we gotta go. Okay. Look at verse 28. Well, look at verse 27. God's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. What are the things that are not? Those are the hidden things. The invisible things. The things that are not are not here. They're there. Does that make sense? There's no, there was no healing for leprosy in their day here. In Jesus' day, and even today, again, you go to the World Health Organization statistics, and they will tell you that it can be treated and successfully treated to the point where it looks like it's healed. Now, whether it'll rear its head again, you know, it's kind of, iffy but it can be treated with antibiotics but it might take three four weeks it may take longer than that if you have a severe case it may take up to a year of strong antibiotics right for leprosy here's the key jesus touched this person and healed immediately do you understand even today we don't have anything like that that's the higher wisdom that's the higher does that make sense so this is what he's saying. God's chosen these foolish things, the things that are not. What are the things that are not? Healing by the Holy Spirit. That is not on the earth. That is heavenly. Right? So you can't get what is not unless what is not lives in you. So this is what he says. Um, God has chosen, you know, those things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. And I'm not, I don't want to be rude here, but I do want to just say this for the church, for me, for us. At some point, 
after we've used and availed ourselves of everything the world has in its wisdom to help our circumstance, who gets the glory for that? Have you analyzed human behavior? I mean, have you analyzed human behavior? Because what do we tend to do? We run right out and take advantage of every bit of wisdom the world has without, many times without even asking God first. And then when what the world has done helps us, what do people do? Praise God. He did it. Praise God. He did it. But what's everybody really thinking? What's the world saying? No. Prescription did it. <laughs> right? What did it? I'm just saying what everybody's thinking. Now, nobody ever says that because we're very religiously correct. I mean, politically correct in the church. Right? Again, you have to go with what your faith gives you. I'm not teaching people not to do that. What I'm trying to do is get them to increase their faith so they don't have to go back there. Right? Make sense? No flesh should glory in his presence. What do you think it's like? When flesh glories in his presence. All right. Just, let's just establish the wisdom then. Uh, chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. If I had come and put a three-point sermon together and come in and practiced it three times yesterday so that I make sure I eloquently deliver every word. And by the way, I'm, I'll let you know I'm capable of that. I'm, I'm, I'm a speaker. I just don't do it. Because what Paul says right here is it doesn't work. It's of no use in the real things of God. Look at what he said. I'm just suggesting this. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or, or of wisdom. He's talking about lower wisdom. Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my pre preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Some of the greatest preachers that are admired on this earth today are the ones that use Great words, persuasive words. Who can, who can craft it? You have to craft this thing and make it so palatable that they can't deny it. Totally against what's being spoken about here. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. I was with you in fear and trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not be founded or be in the wisdom of men, the lower wisdom. Wash your hands. But in the power of God. We got Nicodemus's teaching the body of Christ sometimes, they're teaching the lower wisdom. They're persuasive. Their diction is perfect. Their intelligence is off the chart. Their presentation is correctly crafted. But it doesn't have the power of what God's word will produce. And that's the only thing that will change this world. 
the words that are taught and that preached should have power in them so that what is preached comes to pass in the lives of those who apply it. That's the power of God. It's not the power to whitewash a mind and get an amen. It's the power that if they don't say amen, but they believe it and they go home, it produces fruit in their lives. Amen? That's totally different. This is who you are. You're of a higher substance. Jesus, when you became born again, is showing us that we're of a higher wisdom. Amen? A heavenly, a spiritual DNA, if you will. And look at what he says. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. We speak the wisdom of God. You with me? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You with me? What's the next word there if you're with me? The hidden. Hidden with God in Christ. The secret place that's hidden. You with me? The hidden. The hidden is not of earthly origin. Man's wisdom cannot get us where we're called to go, and it will not get us the good things that wait on us. Amen. It's the hidden. Wow. We speak the wisdom of God on mystery, the hidden, which God ordained before the ages to glorify us for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew it, for if they've known, they wouldn't have crucified Christ. But as it's written, an eye hasn't seen, an ear hasn't heard, nor has entered into the heart of a man the things God has prepared for him. What, if, what is the lower wisdom? It learns by science at 212 water bowls. Those things are not the wisdom of God. It's a higher thing. Ear can't hear it. Eye hasn't seen it. It hadn't entered into the spirit of an unregenerate man. It's none of those things. There are higher things for those who believe in God. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, the deep things. Verse 12. Now we, look at what the verse 12, what's the first word? Now. Now as in what? Since Christ. Since Christ. Now. Since Christ we have received the spirit that's not of the world, but of God. So that we might know. So that we might know. We've received the spirit so that we might know. Because the world wisdom doesn't know. They don't know the goodness of God. They can't begin to understand the things that are in heaven prepared for us. That wisdom can't begin to tap God. You believe there's two levels of wisdom? But he's revealed them to us through his spirit. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God that we might know the things that have been given to us by God. These things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Not in words which worldly wisdom, natural wisdom. Not in words it teaches, but in what? 
but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And what does the world teach? Natural things with natural, because that's all they can know. They are not born of the Spirit. They're not spiritual. They can't know it, right? Okay. So we got to get done here, so here we go. Matthew 4, 6, the devil tempts Jesus. He puts him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, I tell you what, why don't you throw yourself down because their scripture says if you do, God won't let you hit the ground. Right? That's what he tells him. And Jesus responds by what? Please get this. Please understand this. The revelation of tempting God. Because some people say, well, if I, don't, if I don't do this, I'll be tempting God. It, throw yourself down. That's the admonition is take care of it yourself. Just do something on your own. God will protect you. Right? What did Jesus do though? What did he do? He went to the higher wisdom, but what did he have to do? He spoke the higher wisdom. Look at what he said. He said, it also says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? It is, it is. But, but here's the point. Here's the point. What he was saying is, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. Now, you got, you got to realize your reference they wanted water in the wilderness. That's where they tempted God. That's a reference from that, all right? So they wanted water, and they went to Moses, and what'd they do? What were they doing? They were fussing and complaining. They were fussing and complaining. They wanted to stone him. They said, you brought us out here, and you didn't give us any water. Us and our kids and our flocks are going to die out here. What kind of thing have you done? Complaining, complaining, complaining. There's nothing wrong with wanting water. Can you hear me? There's nothing wrong with wanting water. The temptation that brought God to anger is the way we go about it. Are you fussing and complaining because of the situation or will you speak your covenant? You can have anything you want if the covenant abides in you. Remember the secret Jesus gave us? Not just if you abide in him, but if his word abides in you. You're a word person. That's all you are. You're not a doer. You're a speaker. You're a word person. Jesus, if he had jumped, would have been a doer. Yeah, you see, it says that. But we don't win by doing. We win by speaking the word of God. That's all we are. Now, if you, want to, you don't, if you don't believe me, just think about it real quick. i got to say it real quick. Just think about it right there. God did want them to have water. He would not not want them to have water. What they should have come and said, uh, Moses, we got a covenant with God. He's our, he is our God. He's God to us, and he'll protect us. Will you ask him where we're supposed to get water? They would have had water. It wouldn't anger God at all because he would have said, you're right. I'm your father. I'm your God. I'm your provider. I've told you all those things, and the water's right over here. You see what I mean? 
So look at it. They did it, and he gave Moses instruction. Take your rod, strike that rock, and water going to flow out, and it did. It happened the second time, though, the same thing. They complained again. They still hadn't learned the covenant, still hadn't learned the covenant, still hadn't learned who they are. And this is what really separates, though, this time. God said, Moses and Aaron, this is what I want you to do. Moses, take the rod again. Go over there, but hold that rod in your hand, and this time speak to the rock. Ooh, that's separating old covenant from new. In the old, whack, it was by works. In the new, we talk and water flows. But understand, Moses didn't do it. He, he was not capable of taking them across. He could not change. When Jesus said you can't take new wine and put it in an old wineskin, he was talking about Moses. It was a huge disappointment. Because what did Moses do? Instead of speaking to the rock, he walked over to the rock and hit it doubly as hard. He hit it twice. He didn't trust God to speak like Christians today. They don't trust God's word to speak. What are they going back to? The lower wisdom. The lower wisdom said, if you take that hard stick and you strike that rock hard enough, it'll give water. Moses said, I'm going to do it twice for good measure. Whack! Whack! And it brought water out. Hear me on this. That lower wisdom water won't get you across. Oh, it's water. But it's only for today, and it's only in the natural what God has called you to and the cloth he's cut you from is that if you speak the covenant, heaven itself comes to your rescue. And that's for now and later. It's permanent. When Moses struck that rock twice, water did come out and God said, just so you know, because you didn't hallow me in front of the people, you will not go in. God wasn't being mean, by the way. What he was saying is, you can't go in. You don't understand how to go in. You're not qualified to take these people, and you can't go in either. It wasn't a mean thing. It was that you won't, you won't do it. You won't do what I've asked you to do. This is the last thing, and it's of critical importance, I believe. Okay, I believe this, that everybody understand this. Who appeared to Jesus in his transfiguration? <laughs> Who'd you say? Somebody get that man $10. The first one he said is the only one in this case that mattered. Who appeared? Oh, Moses. So when God said you won't cross over, he didn't mean he wouldn't go to heaven. He meant he wouldn't get his answer now in the flesh because he could not believe. Can you hear me, church? Can you hear me, church? Why will some not be healed? Why will some not receive the blessing that's due them now? Because they're going to go back and strike twice to make sure they double do it instead of truly hearing the word of God and being willing to stand there and go, no, if I speak the covenant, God will rescue me. God says, if you don't walk by faith and you won't speak that covenant, you will not cross over in the flesh. 
Oh, you'll be in heaven if you say, but you won't get your answer here. And not only that, you won't be qualified to take other people across either. So I'm not telling you how to believe because you have to believe what you really have. You know, you have to have the light that's in you. But build your faith up. Build your faith up and get the, the spiritual wisdom in you so you can cross in this life. Cross over. Get the good things God has for now. And guess what? That counts for then as well. Amen? That makes sense? That makes sense. The church needs to quit talking only about a lower wisdom and begin to teach and walk a higher wisdom so that the people that want answers can really see answers.